It's Alum Group's Andrea Lay, Packview's Melissa Burdick, special guest Jackie Donowski from Flywheel, and I'm PVSB, also from Flywheel. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of May 13th, and it's time for the Fresh Four. Four curated news stories from the past week. We find them polyhistorically intriguing. We hope you do too. They're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence and news. Retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Jackie, kick us off, would you? Disney Advertising and Walmart Connect to bring closed-loop attribution to streaming advertisers. Well, hello there, Fresh Boy listeners. Disney Advertising and Walmart Connect have solidified an agreement to bring the retailer's industry-leading audience solutions and measurement to Disney's addressable streaming inventory. The collaboration will enable enhanced audience targeting and outcome-based measurements for brand campaigns across Disney's streaming portfolio, including Hulu and Disney+. Connecting Walmart's customer insights with Disney's proprietary audience graph will help advertisers reach their desired audiences and measure the impact of their campaigns through closed-loop attribution. Thanks, Jackie. Andrea, over to you. Hello, Fresh 4 listeners. NBC Universal and Instacart link up to bring retail media opportunities to TV. NBC Universal and Instacart are expanding their existing partnership to include a new retail media workstream that will enable Instacart's CPG advertisers to connect with consumers via NBC Universal's streaming and linear television content. In late 2023, the companies teamed up to include access to NBC Universal's streaming platform Peacock as part of the Instacart Plus membership package. Now, with this new first-party data collaboration, advertisers will be able to reach consumers through NBC Universal's content and measure the impact of their campaigns by leveraging ad exposure and purchase data from Instacart. Thank you, Andrea. Melissa, what do you have for us? Amazon has announced a new country that they're opening up. Amazon has announced that it will launch a new dedicated website for Ireland in 2025. Currently, most Irish customers use Amazon sites based in the UK or other European countries. The company said the Irish site will mean that users will be able to avoid additional customs charges and currency conversion fees, and it will also lead to faster delivery and returns for many items. All right, over to you, Peter. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our co-hosts, Sri Rajagopalan and Peter V.S. Bond, explore how brands and retailers engage with consumers online, in-store, and everywhere in between. And now, here are Sri and Peter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CPG Guys podcast. I'm PVSB, one of the aforementioned CPG Guys. I'm also the VP of Partner Strategy and Development at Fetch Rewards, a mobile loyalty platform. And as always, I'm joined on this educational journey about how brands and retailers engage consumers in a digitally forward world by my good friend, my ride or die, and a thought leader, hashtag SME. Yes, Sheree, I used an acronym, so I got to stop right now and say SME, subject matter expert. He's an SME in the consumer packaged goods world. He's always curious, which I think makes him, by my standards, the ideal podcast partner. So please join me in welcoming the other CPG guy, the man known as Shri. Shri, what's up, brother? Where are you? You're not at home. Where are you? 
I'm not. I'm actually far away in California. You know, I moved recently, but I want to acknowledge something since I use the word California. For my for my right at eye, Mr. PBS Pond here, who's all beaming because the Dodgers have clinched a playoff spot. The Yankees are questionable with the one of the hardest records in baseball left with nine games to go in the season. And uh, although the Dodgers have clinched a wild card spot, to be clear, they have not led the division. It's a wild card spot. They've got the second best record in baseball, despite all of that, and close to, what is it, 99 wins, Peter? So sounds like Dodgers might go all the way and like, actually end up playing Houston, which might feel like a repeat of yesteryears. And then I'm going to ask, why does, why do we, why does MLB even exist? But all that said, Peter, thank you. This is fun doing week over week. And to all our listeners, I want to call out and say a special thank you. In the last 30, 60 odd days, I've had a chance to meet many of you in person, various reasons why many of you have referred to the podcast. You know, you shaped this podcast. You get to decide who comes, what we talk about. So thank you for that. Peter? Yeah, Shri, I was at Grocery Shop, you know, this this week, and I, I want to echo what you said. Someone came up to me and actually asked if she could hug me to thank me for what we had done in bringing her up to speed. She's only been in the CPG space 90 days, uh, rather nine months, and she said that we she credited us as being the primary source of information. So I am flattered beyond belief. It says what we what we're doing is resonating, and I know that makes you happy as much as it does me. Absolutely, Peter. And coming on a future episode of the CPG, guys, who's huggable, who's not? I think I think we have to have a hugging episode. Just kidding. Now, oh, come on. I, I need to hug you. I haven't seen you in a long time, man. I need a hug. Has it been that long? It's been like know, thirty days, Peter. We'll I, it feels like a year, Shri. You know the like Dodgers are going to get at least a round or two in, so we're going to meet up. Uh, and you know that I already bought tickets to the first Dodgers home game in the NLCS. So it's on the text message series thread right here. I'm coming your way, brother. All right, enough of that. Before we get to our guest, I want to remind our audience that all of our content, we've got 130-plus episodes now. It's available on 40 platforms, over 100,000 downloads. There's so much more in addition to that. You can find it by just visiting our website. It's pretty simple, CPG Guys. Dot com and Shri, what do we charge for that? Nothing. Not Big nothing. It's free. It's free. And that free is good. Everyone afford free. Um, and if you're not already following us on LinkedIn, please just enter CPG guys in the search box. And when you get there, click the follow button in the upper left. And that way you'll be able to follow all the content we're publishing on that platform. And again, it is all free. You know, Shri, I don't know if you knew this. Amazon accounts for roughly half of all e-commerce sales taking place in the United States. Like half. That's that's like a lot. Like big time. And we've all heard countless stories of enterprising entrepreneurs who've made their fortune selling widgets of some kind through this incredibly powerful marketplace, right? What is it? Amazon millionaires and Amazon billionaires. That's what that's what we want, Shri. That's what we had. If I were a billionaire, that'd be a good song. But what do these business people do when they want to scale beyond Amazon into other online and physical retail formats? Right. Oftentimes, more often than not, they lack the skill and financial resources to move beyond their Amazon and direct to consumer digital storefronts. This is where a relatively new and quite celebrated class of operators come into play. Shri, 
FBA, another acronym. That's short for Fulfillment by Amazon. It describes brands that use Amazon Marketplace to sell and the powerful Amazon logistics solutions to fulfill their orders. FBA aggregators, ooh, that's the term, FBA, hashtag FBA aggregators, seek out these FBA businesses to acquire them and to scale them into even more powerful brands, okay? Why is this important? Because aggregators have access to a 300 billion plus growing market on Amazon. They typically themselves have already developed proven products and understand the online business model, how to comply with Amazon's very strict policies, uh, how to win the buy box. That's really critical. How many times have you and I talked about winning the buy box free at Amazon? Like all the time. And Peter, right? it's the only way to get it right. If you can't win the buy box, you can't get the sale and the story. I'm with you, brother. And how to improve product ranking. They excel at direct consumer marketing and supply chain management. Plus, they've already figured out how to leverage data and analytics to pick the appropriate growth strategy for each product. It's not just one strategy, right? Depends on the category, depends on the product line. And unlike their small size acquisitions, they also have all the resolar, all the resources at hand to scale and further grow sales, right? So that's the background. So here to speak with us about how her company operates in the FBA acquisition space is the vice president of operations at Boosted Commerce, a CPG focused platform focused on accelerating the growth of beloved consumer brands. I like that. What a great mission. Uh, please join Shri and me in welcoming to our podcast, Sarah Dejani. Sarah, welcome. How are you today? Thank you so much, Peter and Shri. I'm great. Very happy to be with both of you here today. Um, also another happy listener of one of your podcasts. It's an honor for me to be here speaking with you all. Oh, thank you. We love when when our guests are familiar with our podcast. Uh, it's a great community we're creating and, and it just keeps getting bigger and we like delving into different topics and you are the first, uh, uh, as we go in deep into what FBA aggregation is all about. Um, and if you've listened, then you know that, uh, before we get to the questions we've prepared, we, uh, this is kind of like if you're fall, if you ever watch Wheel of Fortune, when they get to the final puzzle, they automatically give them a bunch of letters, R-S-T-L-N-E. This is like our version of that. So before we get to the actual questions, uh, can you tell us first um, where people can learn more about Boosted Commerce online? And would you give us a brief overview of what your responsibilities there and what you're doing? Yeah, of course. I mean, you can learn all you need to know about Boosted at BoostedCommerce.com. We've got our website there um, with all of the information. If you Google us, you'll find a few articles as well, kind of explaining what we do, helping people to orient to where we where we fit in the CPG space. Um, my job is is very simple. I help grow our brands. So um, simply said, we um, oversee. I work with a colleague. We oversee a group of brand managers um, who are our uh, our superstars, our rock stars in the company. And they help um, manage and grow our brands on Amazon and in other e-commerce channels. So it's real PNL ownership responsibility. That's terrific. So why don't we dig into the questions now? I know Shereen and I've got some really interesting ones. Uh, the first one I will uh, posit to you. You have a tremendous background in food and beverage marketing as well as personal care. 
Um, I'm going to go a little off script and say I also know that you happen to have a certificat de pâtisserie from Le Cordon Bleu in Paris. And uh, I love that because I myself have a couple certificates from the CIA. Sri, no, I'm not in the op intelligence business. I'm talking about the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park. I know you thought I was, you were, you'd always been wondering if I was actually a, a spook and I'm not. I'm just a, I'm just a, I'm just a guy who likes chopping mise en place in New York City restaurants so he can learn how to molecular gastronomy or debone a fish. But in any event, sorry, went a little off there. But, but in any event, can you, can, can you share with us a bit about your journey and how it led you to boosted commerce? Yeah, of course. It actually begins uh, shortly after I graduated from um, from the pastry school in Paris. I launched a business with a partner in London, selling um, selling pastries, selling food. And our dream client uh, was Harrods. And we just wanted to sell in the Harrods. If, if anyone knows, Harrods is a big department store in London, and they have this beautiful food hall there that's um, that has just gorgeous pastries and, and a, a beautiful bakery and we our dream was to really just sell there and so what we did was um, I was at the time I was you know managing the finances of the company I was baking I was heads down really figuring out how to fig how to get into retail right it was all about for me retail getting on the physical shelf and we managed to we managed to sell into Harrods we got a space on the shelf. They gave us they gave us um, a really prime spot in the bakery section, and um, and I learned something very important there, um, which was actually ironically about the importance not of the physical shelf but of the digital shelf. And what I learned came from one of the um, the buyers at Harrods. She walked us through the planogram on the floor, and she told us, "Listen, one thing: if you guys get it right." we will change our planogram for you is if you figure out how to promote your products on Instagram. There's a handful of inst of influencers out there. If they talk about it, we will reshape our planogram and put you front and center. And this, this was in the early days when like Instagram had, had not even launched ads yet. And so I was like, what is this? Like what's going on? That was a real aha moment for me in my career where I was like, digital is where it's going and digital is where it's at. Even when I'm spending 11 hours a day baking in a, in a, in a tiny commercial kitchen, that's where it's at. Um, and so I really ended up focusing my career on learning the best of digital world, how to win on e-commerce. And that's really what, what brought me to Boosted. So I, I spent some time in traditional CPG after that, marketing, you know, digital marketing as well. Um, and then I got, I got my hands on a few Amazon businesses, was able to, to manage and grow those and, and realized that it was where I wanted to, to really learn the ropes. It was the future of, of growing profitable businesses. So the FBA space has been one of my favorite spaces, but one that largely retail and CPG have ignored because it's really been about the third party marketplace and area that CPG and again, retail don't really pay a lot of attention to, and that's the current reality. But the question I'd ask you is, you know, we're in a post-COVID world, or I'd say the tapering of COVID world, or in a world that's influenced by COVID, and demand has reshaped itself in a plethora of historic ways. What are those market conditions today that you make you feel that FBA aggregation is still required in the first place, and that it's a hot vertical given that 
the way nature of the demand has evolved in CPG, um, everyone's paying attention to detail, retail and big CPG. Like how do the small manufacturers still claw their way via FBA? Why is this relevant? Yeah, so it really it really boils down to three things. Sort of what were we seeing at a high level that made this very much an attractive opportunity to go after? And those three things were first, as you as you mentioned, Shri, of course, e-commerce spend is just booming. It is driven, unfortunately, by the pandemic, but it was growing before that. And really, you know, COVID-19 just made it take off even more. Um, the second thing which was was very sort of opportunistic was there was a low cost of capital out there, right? Um, if you remember, it's changing slightly, but this was back during the, you know, the SPAC sort of, you know, hullabaloo and all of that. It, it, capital was cheap. And so there was an opportunity to go fundraise and, and, and create a, a compelling business argument. Um, and then the third thing really was the proof points that we were seeing that powerhouse brands could be built on Amazon's platform. And the classic example there is Anchor, A-N-K-E-R. If you don't know it, just look at any of your digital gizmos you've bought on Amazon, and that's probably the brand. That was an Amazon first brand. So those really were the trends in the at a high level in the marketplace that made this an attractive opportunity. I'll say, Sarah, that a trip for me to London is never complete without a visit to the food department, the fine food department at Harrods. I pick up a pot of Stilton cheese. And trust me, it never makes it to the U.S. customs entrance in the U.S. It's consumed on the plane. So let me just, let me just say that I'm, I'm with you on Harrods. Um, can you let us know a little bit about boosted commerce specifically? You've got a rather unique approach in acquiring beloved brands. You're going after CPG brands. What is, what's going on there with, with boosted? Yeah, it's um, so a lot of times when people look at the FBA aggregator space, they'll talk about um, it's a new you know private equity model or it's an arbitrage play or what they look at it totally from this like fund perspective, right? Which is so funny because I know absolutely nothing about M and A. Um, but so it gets brings me to my point, which at Boosted, I, we really are brand people, right? Like we come in and we, we talk about the customer relationship, the reasons to believe, the brand principles, the foundations, right? What are you building here? Where's, where's the integrity? Why, why do people love you? How can we capitalize on that and also deepen that relationship with the customer? Um, and so, and so really the, I, I think that's kind of the, the, I don't pay too much attention to our competitors, but I, I think that is a differentiator for us is that we sit here and we go, we get a brain, we go, oh yeah, you know, like this is great. I love it because of A, B, and C. A reminder for the, our, all our audience that we're speaking to Sarah Dejani, VP of operations at Booster Commerce, a CPG focused FBA or fulfillment by Amazon aggregator, Sarah. Why is the CPG space, again, in this COVID-induced environment, such an interesting opportunity for acquisition? What's going on in the acquisition space? And when you're looking to build out this portfolio through these acquisitions, what exactly are you looking for? So it's really, um, what we're looking for right now is really looking for essentially businesses that have been built with the digital shelf first. And so if we if we take a step back, what do I mean by the digital shelf first? You know, you said something earlier on, Sri, that I really agree with and I and I and I um, empathize with, which is when I was first at big CPG and even venture back startups, digital and e-com spend was really seen as incremental. 
right? It was not seen as the core source of revenue. And so it ended, it ends up flowing into generally it's like two mentalities, right? If you're at big CPG, it, e-com spend and specifically Amazon was seen as like, that's where we could lose share. We don't want to lose share, right? And so if we don't want to lose share, let's spend on our branded keywords. Let's make sure that we defend our positions. It's not going to be profitable, but you know, we've got to be there. So that's okay. Let's do it anyway. That was sort of one mentality that I experienced. The second mentality that I experienced was one of the, the venture backed startup, D2C startup where you get just like these VCs who pour money into you and they're looking only at top line growth and they don't care about bottom line, right? And that's changing now, but essentially they're like top line growth, grow, grow, grow. So then you go on Amazon and again, it's like, you know, blow it out, but like don't pay too much attention to profitability. That's it for anyone who cares about business. It's a very frustrating way to run your business because you are not driving profit. (laughs) profit. It sounds so basic, right? But like in these capital markets, it gets confusing, but profit is what drives all growth. So sort of bringing it back to your original question, what you get with these FBA entrepreneurs is you literally get CPG startups that are profitable from like month one. And it's crazy. And it the profitability just grows and grows and grows and grows. And so when you get this opportunity of they, they all of a sudden get strapped, right? They don't have any capital or they don't have the knowledge or they don't have the whatever to go past that ceiling. You come in and you go, great, I'll use cash flow to fund growth. That's really the, that's really what it is. It's, it's quite simple, but it's remarkable how rare of an opportunity it is. And Sarah, in your mind, how do you determine what that ceiling is? It's really, it, it depends um, so much on the entrepreneur and their journey. And we've seen different different founders with different mentalities. I mean, one of our founders, he's just a genius entrepreneur. <laughs> he built his business, he grew it, and he's like, okay, I'm bored, I'm going to go start a brand somewhere else, Right. So we, we say, okay, he's looking for a custodian, essentially. Can you take care of it? Can you grow it? He actually, this particular founder got a tattoo of the brand. Um, after he sold it, he got his like brand logo tattooed on his arm. So it's like this like passionate guy, but he's just ready to move on to something else. Um, the other one we, we had, um, we had, um, a woman who just was, um, just grew it as much as she could. And then she needed more capital, right? She couldn't keep up with like the cost of inventory and, you know, um, keeping her with uh, keeping a growing accounts payable, um, you know, on her, on her books, she just couldn't deal with it. She didn't have the capital. She didn't want to go and fundraise or, you know, as we all know, fundraising is a skill set, right? She, she didn't necessarily know how to go and fundraise. And so this was an opportunity for her to get some liquidity out of her business and give it to people who do have the capital. So we see we see all sorts of, of stories a, 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 along that spectrum. Can I ask Peter a question? By all means. Your brand, CPG guys, do you have a tattoo? <laughs> I was about to say, Shree, we need, we need to take it one level further. I'm thinking CPG guys, hot brand. You know, like... You and I at the baseball game. We'll talk later. I know. Sarah's like, what did I get myself into? These guys are crazy. All right, Sarah, I want to know about matchmaking. And specifically, I know, matchmaker, match, sorry. 
But I want to understand, are the brands, so these brands that you're acquiring, are they finding their way are you, to you? Are you finding them? And if you are, I assume that for the most part, you're seeking them out. I'd really like to kind of understand what are the resources? Like are it, back in the day when we all used to go to conferences, I'd say food, go to the Expo West, or maybe I use this data source. Like what are kind of the 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 things that help bring them to your attention and then allow you to investigate them a little deeper. It, it's really, it's a combination both of us trying to find them and then, and then coming to us. There is, there is a network out there of FBA sellers that are aware that there are people out there willing to purchase. And so, you know, they get, they get organized and they come in through brokers or whatnot. But then we also have, of course, um, you know, opportunities like being on um, on high profile podcasts that that get our name out there. Um, and sometimes, and this is this is my favorite way. Sometimes we find a brand on Amazon, we go, "Oh, that's amazing! That has amazing potential." You know, it's pattern recognition, right? Like we've seen that this is good, this is good, but this is where they could really kill it, and they just don't know that yet. And then we reach out, and it's they're sort of not even expecting like someone to come and offer them you know, a couple million dollars or whatever it is for their business. And they go, wow. And then they, 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 um, they sort of join on based on that. Sarah, is there like some FBA Tinder app where you can swipe left or swipe right to choose? I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. It's so much more boring than that. It's so much more boring. You know how it is. It's all, it's data and looking and, and searching, trying to figure out how to do it efficiently. There are like, there, there are just so many sellers on Amazon's FBA marketplace that it's, it's sometimes it feels like, you know, sand at the beach. Very good. All right. Shri, you're up. All right. Sounds good. So now I'd like to get into a little bit about, you know what, before I do that, you mentioned getting on Elite Podcasts. Do you happen to know of any, Sarah, that you may be aware of Elite Podcasts? Don't let him hook you into that, Sarah. He's fishing for compliments. I don't know, Peter. Do you know of any? I don't know of any, Shree. Neither do I. We're just just, just common everyday podcast. That's what we after deal with this here. Episode. That's all we deal back with here. To, back to boosted commerce's capabilities, right? What resources and capabilities do, does, do you and boosted commerce have to kind of accelerate these brands that you bring into the portfolio, these FPA brands you bring into the portfolio and um, why are these often these skill, these capabilities, skill sets, call them what you may like completely new for these brands? Yeah. I mean, the, the easy answer to that, Shru, is, is to say uh, that what we have access to is capital. Um, but it really, it's more than that, right? Because, um, at the end of the day, um, what capital put to use incorrectly is not worth much at all. Um, and so what, what we do, what we bring that is, that is, interesting. I, I call them playbooks. And, you know, this is like when I joined Boosted, it was one of those eye opening experiences in my career where previously I had been, you know, either bootstrapping my own brand or working with a small company. Procter & Gamble, when I was there, was a bit different. Obviously, they have resources. But at those smaller companies, for me, I was like, OK, now I'm going to do Facebook ads, right? <laughs> like hit my head against the wall for months on end running A-B tests on Facebook ads and trying to figure out audience modeling and, and how do I get the right creative and what really pushes it and how can I figure out this attribution thing? And, you know, all of that. When I came to Boosted, I realized I was like, oh, that guy over there, he's got the playbook. 
that lady over there, she made millions with X, you know? And those secret sauce playbooks are what we bring. Is that, and that's, it's just, it's the, the, the cheesy term for it that we've been using is knowledge arbitrage. <laughs> but all it is, is essentially is that we've got, you know, smart people who have hit their head against the wall enough times that they've actually figured it out. So let's double click down. Now, I'm not going to ask you to read line for line the playbooks, <laughs> Sarah, because that's like asking the colonel for the secret recipe. And I'm not I'm not I'm not expecting you to do that. But I sure would love to know from you what are kind of the the key components of a playbook uh, that you activate against to deliver what I consider to be your goal, which is repeatable success as you scale these businesses. Yeah, of course. I mean, I can give you a lens into that 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 sort of doesn't um, re reveal any um, any fried chicken recipes or anything like that. But what we've got is, um, you know, so so I come from the world of marketing, and um, you know, typically when I was when when I was in the world of marketing and I was building my budgets, you know, and 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 plugging into our our, our P and L and our forecasts for the year. I would be saying, okay, here are my buckets of spend and here are my attached ROIs, right? So like, you know, what, whatever, whatever particular um, KPI was attached to those would be how I would look at it. But they'd always get to this bucket of like, you know, like brand awareness spend, right? Or I'm going to spend a quarter of a million dollars on an event, right? And then you go, well, I don't really know that's brand awareness. I don't have an ROI attached to it. Just give me the budget, right? That's sort of how the world that I came from and was sort of raised in, quote unquote. Um, it boosted it is decidedly different. So when you are in a closed platform, I'll start out with Amazon. When you're in a closed platform like Amazon and you have like a, a, a walled garden of their advertising system, you have much greater opportunity to drive optimized spend through really targeted KPIs. So that's sort of like, the 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 basic right is like every dollar that I spend, it's just ACOS or ROAS or whatever you want to call it. It just what how many dollars am I getting back? Now the secret sauce playbooks comes after that, and that's how do you think about growing efficiently? You can't rely on traditional brand marketing ways of thinking. You can't because if you do that that's where you lose all that you've gained from that profitable start from the FBA sellers. And that's the, then how do you solve that? That's like the super interesting part, um, which I can't share, but that's really what it comes down to. Um, but, but I mean, at a high level, right? Like you end up thinking about it the same, same way, customer acquisition cost as a ratio to, to customer lifetime value. Sarah, I wanted to really take a deeper dive on the playbook. Looks like we're going to have to do it outside this um, conversation because to me, you started with, hey, ROAS is obvious, ROI is obvious, and then you said, hey, there are secret tips and tricks outside of those, whereas most people, that's what they focus on. And um, hopefully we can do that outside the show. <laughs> uh, but speaking of that very exact ROAS and ROI and outcomes and why you acquired, there's obviously a purpose behind any brand that you acquire that does FPA and then you scale it. Is the goal to actually build a sustainable portfolio that keeps giving like cash flow and things of that nature? Or is it to build and sell 
to some other larger manufacturer and you know larger manufacturers are always looking for digitally boosted digitally enhanced products and is that the goal like what's the end state mm-hmm. you know i it's a, such a great question i think the end state is very much ambiguous because it, at some point right these things end up being opportunistic right as well as sort of like what happens what can we get from this what attention do we garner but i can tell you that like obviously i have to do something i have to have something in my mind to guide me day after day what am i doing with my job and for me the goal is very simple which is i take these brands that these entrepreneurs have poured their heart and soul into on amazon and i want them to see it on the shelf at like walmart or target and every time we have that conversation with them that you can see them they just get so excited they go oh i didn't know that could happen to me i never believed that that's that's my goal. So for me it is just about growing it, let's get it to more people. If people love it on Amazon, I'm sure they'll love it elsewhere too. We all love that word growth, so not to worry. <laughs> yeah. I'll remind our audience that all of our content as I said at the beginning of the episode are podcast episodes in audio format on 40 plus platforms. Other content, including links to our TikTok and Instagram and Twitter accounts. You can just go to cpgguys.com. You can find all of that. It's free. And if you get a chance, we are audience-driven, which means that the conversations we have are driven by what our audience wants to explore. The best way to tell us is go to ratethispodcast.com slash cpgguys. Choose the Apple platform. Leave us a review, and if you're there, maybe a rating. My favorite number is five. I think Shri likes five, too, but it's entirely up to you. Sarah, I want to thank you so much for joining us on this exploration today. You brought new light to a subject that we had not sufficiently explored, FBA aggregation. So great to learn about you and the role that Boosted Commerce is playing. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It was was fun. And when we expand the CPG Guys podcast to do a series of instructional cooking videos, you and I are going to make a terrine together. So just (laughs) just get ready. Um, Shri, wasn't this phenomenal? We we dug into yet another topic that everybody's asking about, but uh, I didn't completely understand how to go about doing it. And Sarah really broke it down wonderfully, didn't she? Sarah broke it down wonderfully for sure and also touched upon a topic which is, again, largely ignored by retail and large CPG, right? So I think on the show, this is the first time we've truly taken a slightly, I would say, deeper dive into FPA and explored the why what of FPA. But I'm just disappointed, Peter, that you all didn't invite me to the cooking party. I'm capable. Uh, well, tell you what, Shri, um, whoever brings me back a pot of Stilton cheese from Harrods next time, yeah, you get to cook with me. That's just the deal. All right. All right, we'll figure out how to get Peter a Stilton cheese from Harrods. Exactly. Audience, I believe, if, I if believe Stilton... I cross the Atlantic for that, and I'm on the Pacific side, Peter. I, th- I, th- I think it has to do with pasteurization and U.S. food laws. But in any event, um, if, you can, if you're, if you're going to you, bring some Harrods Stilton cheese across, you can send it to Guilford, Connecticut. I won't deny it. Anyhow, um, Shri, as always, thanks for joining me on this journey. Thank you, Peter. Yeah, yeah. So um, thanks to everyone for joining us on this terrific episode, and we look forward to speaking with you on the next episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Goodbye.
content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPG Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPG Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of reference to, or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.